whatever I want out there is already in here. I just got to go get it. And people think you got to go get it out there. No, I got to go get it in here. Stop being so damn scared, right? Stop being the one that's doubting. And look, we all know we doubt. Every single person ever, Jordan, Muhammad, they all doubt. You know what confidence really is? It's the management of doubt. You always want to be popular. Then you realize our popularity comes at a price. Um, you always want to be the cool kid. Then you realize being cool means you got to go with the crowd, even though you act like you lead the crowd. Like, it's just all this stuff, man. And I just start, I was one of those kids that always tried to unravel why things were connected. Hello, my name is Aaron Wexler, and welcome to another episode of Within the Game. Let's go, man. Within the Game is all about how to stay inspired within your craft. You can, you can have more fun. You can find fulfillment and ultimately just be the best version of yourself right that's the whole idea uh thank you to the listeners and fans if you'd like to support the show a great way to do that is grab a copy of my book the inspired athlete which is like this kind of uh, culmination of my spiritual personal growth and athletic journeys all into one i really think it could help everyone out there also please give the channel a like subscribe all those things all the things you know what to do they really do help and really if you could just do one of the things right a comment a like one of those things really helped. Please also support my guests and today's guest. Man, I'm so excited for this one, man. Today's guest is the one and only Marcellus Wiley. That dude. Thanks so much for being here, man. I appreciate you. Oh, man. Appreciate you too, Wex. Let's go. Let's go, man. So your IG is at Marcellus Wiley. Great YouTube channel. I'll link all that stuff. The author of this amazing, awesome book that I'm reading right now, Never Shut Up. Um, so, Marcellus, you played it in the NFL for 10 years as a defensive end for the Bills, Chargers, Cowboys, and Jaguars, making it to the Pro Bowl in 2001 with the Chargers. You're a sports broadcasting legend. Yes, I'm going to call you a legend. Though ah, ah, hosting shows for ESPN, Fox Sports, including um, including Sports Nation, which I was a huge fan of. Uh, speak for yourself, Max and Marcellus. And now you're the current host of Never Shut Up, which airs Monday through Friday on YouTube. You're also the I got to I got to uh, share this one. The 1988 National Typewriting Champion. Typing <laughs> 82 words a minute, man. Yeah, no. Right. And a graduate of Columbia University. You're also the author of Never Shut Up, which I just mentioned. Um, Marcellus, again, once again, man, I appreciate you, man. No, that's love. I appreciate you, too, as well. You hear. You hear when you're like, oh, no, let me turn this off. When you're here when you're uh, alive, your eulogy, you feel like you've done something in life, man. So it's good to still be above ground here. Oh, you just, you just get started, man. You just get you just uh -huh. warming up. Uh, big <laughs> shout out to Ken Seaton and Athletes Touch. Um, and, you know, Marcellus, uh, I like to start all my podcast episodes with this question, this idea, this curiosity, this kind of like foray into this theme of inspiration right um and inspired living specifically so inspired living man what, what does that mean for you uh i think it takes me to appreciation um i really believe in all of us having inner power and inner gifts um it's just a challenge to express that to the world that constantly wants to define you redefine you realign you from your true purpose so uh, I'm just in this constant battle of always trying to express myself to this world who I truly am. And that's why I named the book Never Shut Up. That's why the name of the show is Never Shut Up. And it's not about literally just always talking. It's about just you always showing your inner identity, you manifesting everything you desire. And that's what I'm about. And I'm trying to encourage and develop that in other people to express and amplify that inner power they possess. So uh, I'm always thinking that way, man. And, uh, you know, try to get more wins and losses. That's life. Dude, I love that answer, man. And, and you know, this, for me, you know, I told you before, like, I've been, like, entering this world of podcasting. You know, this is my third year now. But this this whole world has, like, opened my curiosity up. And to me, that's so inspiring, connecting with, you know, people like you and just, you know, like this, this idea of curiosity has really sparked my inspiration. My, and you, you mentioned manifesting, which I'd love to get into, but you know, this idea of like, just finding out, finding out, you know, what makes people really stay inspired. Cause my whole thing is like, you know, I don't think that we're going to always be inspired. Right. 
But like, if we can remember that that's like the trajectory that we want to be on, I think that really helps us to to create and manifest, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that what we have to do is one, create the proper value system in this world where you understand what's important. Now, once you know what's important, um, you align your passions with what's important. That's how you get fulfillment. And so uh, I think a lot of times we get told different things and we chase the wrong things and then you feel empty. Um, like, let's use, like you said, being inspired. Inspiration doesn't have to be constant. What people don't understand is like, look at inspiration like the gas pedal in your car. You know, I got a Tesla. I like my Tesla. One, because it's it's almost understated, even though it's still a Tesla. But it don't look like a Ferrari or nothing, right? It's just like, all right, look at them cars. And they're the fastest things in the world. Like you get next to a Ferrari, you're looking at them like, you, you better not. Yeah, light your butt up, right? So what what's funny though, is if you hit the gas pedal or any car and then get off the gas, it's still moving, right? So inspiration is kind of the same thing. You can mash it and one day feel super inspired. And then tomorrow you really don't, but you still got the momentum of when you did. And you still got the momentum when you mashed it. And then you'll get on the gas again. So I think a lot of times we think in these zero sum realities, when in reality, things are connected. We're all energy beings just exchanging things. You got to exchange the day when you're really inspired for the day when you're not so inspired and let them mesh together. I love that. And and carry that further to this idea of the inspired athlete, right? Because that's that's kind of the the athlete I always wanted to be. You know, the that's the the book that I wrote. And, you know, um, when I read your book and I follow your career, you seem like you were that that dude, right? Like that inspired <laughs> athlete. But but like like talk about that. Like what does that mean, you know? Yeah, for me, uh look, I looked at athletics as a means to an end from hello. Uh I was never a football player in my mind. I was a guy who played football. And I was gonna use everything in my power to create what I really desire. So I, I went back recently and saw my first interview when I got drafted from the Buffalo Bills. Uh, tremendous reminder for me of what I'm really built up and built about. Um, it said in the interview, that the, the reporter was like, so what do you think of being drafted? In? What are your dreams of your career? And I was like, I just want to play well enough and play long enough that my voice is loud enough that I can make an impact in this world. And I was like, damn, that's pretty dope. As a rookie, I said that. But the point is, I wasn't there for Super Bowls. I wasn't there for money. I wasn't there for sacks. I knew all that was going to come just because I gave it effort and I loved it. But I was really there to just get out of it that the people would respect me on my journey to what I really want to be, which is connected with other people and inspiring them. So I know it was a warped way of looking at it at times because it met a lot of challenges because my teammates are like, dog, you're killing it. And you care about other stuff more? And I was like, yeah, care about people more than damn players. I care about, you know, community more than going out there and just getting sacks. And, you know, I used it to get to where I had to get to. And I think that's how, you can look at certain situations in a healthy manner and realize it's it's just another stepping stone. I was 32, retired. It was another stepping stone. Man, I, you know, and just reading your book and, you know, listening to you speak, you know, it seems like you've always had this bigger picture perspective on everything, right? You, you were just always looking at the bigger picture. I think to me, that's part of the inspired athlete, right? Where it's like, yes, we want to be here in the moment right now, make the play, right? like be so involved in the moment, but also at the same time, like understand that there's so much else going on. Right. And, and like creating a balance of those two perspectives. Yeah, you know? man. I mean, look, you can, you can reduce your life to wins and losses and games and points scored points given up. Um, but there's a game of life that I'm really trying to win and inspire others. And that's my legacy yeah. is to give the game, of life to my family and to my friends and to those I come in contact with and be an inspiration in that lane. Um, and it's because 
it's funny you can win it all and don't feel like you won anything and then you can have not much of, <laughs> of a record in terms of wins and losses and be fulfilled and happy and the most successful person between your own ears and i've, I've kind of lived those two lives in mm -hmm. so many ways um i tell people all the time i'm bilingual because i learned to speak fluently have and have not <laughs> you know i was broke <laughs> as hell growing up and i know what that feels like then I know what it feels like to have money, like commas, like damn, all that. And it's like you start to realize and distill the, the real from the fake. And it's just that simple. So I don't have to theorize on life. I've like touched all the corners of it and I've lived through those realities. So I wear this ring. It's called a donut ring. And uh, it really is a donut. Uh, I got it from Jason of Beverly Hills, who does all the Super Bowl rings, all the NBA championship rings. Huge guy. I was one of his first clients, great friend. Gave me a donut ring when I left ESPN. And you know why he gave me a donut ring? Even though it's funny, it's, you know, old people from a distance think it's a Super Bowl ring. He gave it to me because he's like, dude, you never won anything in the NFL. I ain't win the Super Bowl. But he said, boy, did you win in the game of life. And I wear that ring with pride, man. So I think that everybody should have pride for their donut rings, David, because you can win in life. I love it, man. I love it. You know, um, I want to talk a little bit about spirituality and manifesting because, you know, you know, reading your book and, you know, like um, exploring how you grew up, basically. Right. Compton and then St. Monica's. I went to Samo, actually. So, oh, God, you went yeah, to big boy. <laughs> yeah, I went to Samo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then St. Monica and then Columbia and then obviously then the NFL. But you talk a lot about, you know, these different um there was one moment in the book where you talk about, man, you got shot at, like, on uh, was it a game or practice? Um, yeah, it was, a, well, there was a few of them. Um, let me stop this. People think I'm somebody. All right, here we go. Uh, yeah, there was a few times I've been shot at, unfortunately. I do not wear it as a badge of honor. I was scared to death. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, one time I was at a game. Like, we actually were warming up. I was at Westchester High School, um, and we were playing manual arts. And all I remember is us warming up and you play manual like back in those days too. Like you just knew where there was just a higher probability of some smoke of some hail breaking out. Right. And manual was one of those places, especially because of Westchester. We had rival gangs. A lot of kids that went to those two schools really didn't like each other. So we're there. We're playing the game. We're just praying for a little social space, a little safety. And it was this big like apartment complex across uh, the field and you can see it like a big tower we're like what a and then next thing you know you hear something and it's it's like you think a car backfire and you just really think that there's no way someone's shooting while we're doing jump jacks uh and then you look at the ground the ground was moving like the bullets was hitting the ground so everybody ducked everybody just dropped on the ground because you couldn't go anywhere you're in the middle of a football field talking about a, a sitting duck talking about being a target trying to run up 50 yards sideways, 100 yards deep. We're in an open field. So we just all hit the ground, and thankfully nobody got shot. Craziest part about that story is not even what I just told you. is the fact that since no one got hurt, we've still played the game. Wow. <laughs> like, you know, the PTSD of that or whatever the effect is, man, we just kept it rolling. Like, all right, nobody shot, nobody dead, nobody hurt. Let's keep it going. Let's try and win this. Hey everyone, thanks so much for being a fan of the show. I really appreciate your support. And if you'd like to further support the podcast, please grab a copy of my book, The Inspired Athlete. Uh, the Inspired Athlete is all about my personal growth journey, my athletic journey, my spiritual journey, all combined into one. And really the idea is that um, the energy of the inspired athlete is within us all, and it's up to us to evoke that. And uh, whether you consider yourself an athlete or a competitor or not, it's my belief that the energy of the inspired athlete is within us. Even if you just decide to take a deep breath and just move your body, that's the inspired athlete. So it would mean a lot if you could help support the book project as well as the podcast by grabbing a copy, uh, links to the Amazon uh, paperback version as well as the Audible uh, audiobook version are listed below in the description. Thank you very much for your support. Stay inspired, y'all. Man. You know, and the reason why I brought that that up is because, first of all, I appreciate you sharing that because it's like, man, you hear stuff like that happening on the news and stuff. But like, 
the way you wrote about it, it puts you right there, you know, uh, with mm-hmm. the imagery. But I, I, I wanted to bring that up. And also you talk about how you, you know, used to get beat up and bullied with your, <laughs> uh, you know, with your sister as well. And like, I'm bring, I want to bring those up because you, you went through those things and you were able to transform that energy, you yeah. know, and, and carry forth. And so like what, you know, my theme is all about inspiration. I was inspired by that because it was like a lot of people might, you know, not be able to like transform that energy and and stay with their goals and manifest right and like be the best version of themselves but it seems like you were able to or or that maybe those things kind of helped fuel you i was hoping you could kind of like talk about that perspective yeah it's just because i remember how it all started how it all starts for everybody every kid um we're happy little soldiers when we're born and i say soldiers because we are ready to engage in, in it like yeah. kids are just hilarious, man. They don't care. They're fearless. You got to socialize a kid. You got to teach a kid. And one of the things, unfortunately, kids are taught is to hate. One of the things they're taught is to all of a sudden clam up. What, mm. One of the things they're taught is not to love. Uh, and so when I was walking around the neighborhood, I didn't look at the hard dude, the gangster dude with fear or reverence. I looked at him as, oh, man, a hurt, scared, big dude. I looked at him as somebody who didn't get the proper love and the proper support. So he's hurting. So when he tries to hit me, it's only because he already hurt. And hurt people hurt people, right? Mm-hmm. I knew this from hello. Now, I was helped in learning this because I had uncles who were in the streets. Two of my uncles were murdered. The third one committed suicide all in the streets. Gangster as it gets. And they got all this love on the outside, all this love in the streets that I used to see them come home. Still great people to me. I looked up to them, but I saw the pain. I saw the issues. I saw how they won so hard in front of everybody. Not me. I saw the tears. And I was like, wow. So I got to be behind the bell. So when I went out, you ain't intimidating me. Yeah, you may hit me. Yeah, you may beat me up. But you ain't changing my spirit. You ain't changing my fight. You're not changing my path. I'm still going to go. And matter of fact, I'm looking at you like, damn, I hope he fixes himself. Because if a hurt person hits you and you respond to them, all of a sudden you you fighting in the hurt stadium. Because he already got experience there. He already is comfortable there. And you just on the road visiting. I was trying to go somewhere else than that. So I never, ever got caught up in that. And I never played that mind game. And I never looked up to those guys. So it never took me off course. Despite I wanted to be like any other kid and going through adolescence. You always want to be popular. Then you realize our popularity comes at a price. Um, You always want to be the cool kid. Then you realize being cool means you got to go with the crowd, even though you act like you lead the crowd. Like (laughs) you just all this stuff, man. And I just start. I was one of those kids that always tried to unravel why things were connected. And then once I was able to establish or define it for myself, my mother always told me I was enough. I never needed somebody else to say, yeah, I agree with you. Once I knew this was real, once I knew this was true, I'm out. And if you come with me, good for you. If not, better for me. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, man. So, so let's move into the experience at Columbia, right? Um, so you, you end up at Columbia and, uh, I I love how you write about it, man. You're, you're, uh, you created a little job for yourself at some point, right? Like you're, you, uh, realized that you were really good at at typing or you remembered because you won the championship. That, yeah. um, right. What, what you said, 1980, was it 1988? Yeah. 98, uh, 88, 88, national championship, uh, weird, uh, eighth grade. And then I'm in college. You know, people needed their papers, papers typed. I love that, man. I love that. So you're, so you're in college. So you, so I want to know, like, at what point did you realize that you wanted to be in sports broadcasting? Now, was this before the NFL career or was this during the NFL career? Ah, it 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 didn't hit me. It didn't even hit me when I was doing it. (laughs) I, I, I got drafted in '97. Um, one of, one of the papers I turned in had a complimentary video with it. 
which mm. was my my role to the NFL. So I had to write this what 10, 20 page paper, final paper. And then I was like, let me just throw some extra season in on this. Uh, how many people that graduated Columbia could also attach a video just detailing their role to the NFL? And I did. I showed them my combine. I showed them uh, our combine workouts, pro day, uh, me just hanging through the streets and seeing how people were responding to me there. And I did all that. But that was probably my first real taste of broadcasting. And the only other time before that is I used to take my dad's camcorder and put it on a tripod in the bathroom and let it film the mirror. And I would sit there and say, hello, welcome. And just that's it. <laughs> and then I would rap freestyle something. But um, I got the Buffalo rookie year. I had a TV show. Um, it was a reality show, too. So in 1997, that's kind of a foreign word. So I was like the first Kardashian because I'm like letting them in my house. They watching me rap, DJ, um, filming me going to the mall, hanging out, cooking, kicking it. <laughs> it's like it was just a normal show. And then I kind of far leg. But I wanted to be a sports broadcaster because I just love people. I love educating. I love entertaining. I love bridging gaps. So I know most of this world has never played sports at the highest level. And I did. So instead of acting like I'm all, all high and mighty, I can tell you how it goes. It was just as simple as that. Huge thank you to new sponsor of the show, Chico Bag. Chico Bag is your eco-friendly travel pack and shopping companion. I actually have my travel pack right here. I use it almost every day and I love it. Love it for little day trips or um, going to the grocery store. It replaces hundreds of single-use plastic bags and fits in your pocket or purse. And with its stylish and durable design, you can take it anywhere. Chico Bag is a certified B Corp and donates 1% of sales to environmental causes. So join the Chico Bag revolution to reduce plastic waste and create a sustainable future. Visit ChicoBag.com and get 20% off your order as a Within the Game podcast listener using promo code Within the Game. Back to the show. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And and let's let's dive a little bit deeper into the sports broadcasting world in a minute, but I want to kind of go through the progression. So um, can you... Can you tell the audience about the day when you got, you know, uh, drafted? Because I know you talk about it in the book. I keep referencing the book. It's an awesome book. But I want you to just kind of describe that moment when you got that phone call and you were an NFL player. Yeah. So I had all these camera crews at the house. They asked me to go to the draft early. And it, it was like a flyby invitation. And I'm glad I didn't catch. <laughs> I was like, uh, no, thanks. Because I was starting to shoot up the charts, the projections, right? So I was supposed to go as high as 15, I heard, somewhere. So I was like, oh, man, I ain't going 15. I went to Columbia. Stop playing with me. I played against accountants and, you know, the the heir of the, the Walton family. You know, so I was like, so I'm not going to go. And next thing I know, I'm in, uh, you know, you wake up that morning. It's an amazing feeling. Draft starts hella early on the West Coast, right? So I'm like, all right, first pick. I think it was Orlando Pace. And I'm like, all right, well, duh. I saw him play too. I was like, yeah, he's going first. So, you know, it's like eight in the morning, nine in the morning, 10 in the morning, 11. You got all the hors d'oeuvres, out charcuterie, which we just called salami and cheese back there now. Charcuterie. <laughs> you know, we got all this fancy stuff. You know, we, we, we put it together. We got the spread out of my small apartment I grew up in. All my ex girlfriends all decided to finally come and say they love me again. It was just hilarious, right? So I'm like, all right, for real. And so everybody just kicking it. And then I started to doze off, not off, taking too long. I was the 52nd pick, which sounds like, oh, that's great. Second round, it was. Except they get five, 10 minutes between every pick or something. So it took forever. And literally when my name was called, I was dozing off. And I could hear my dad go, all right. <laughs> my dad's a, a man of few words. So he was like, all right. And then. I'm kind of like, and then it was like the Buffalo Bills and then a phone call and it's Marv Levy. No, it's John Butler, who's a GM. And I don't recognize that voice. I'm like, oh, respect though. You know, thank you, GM. And he's like, you want to talk to your coach? I said, yeah, I know who that is. It was Marv Levy. He's like, hey, Marv Salas. And he, that's how he sounds. Hey, how you doing? I'm like, hey. So, you know, you just go from there. Then you, you fast forward, you're in Buffalo and Bruce Smith is your homie, man. It's crazy. Wow. Wow. And can you talk about uh, the position change? Because I think you were a running back and then you 
you got asked to play defensive end, right? <laughs> yeah. I got one of those ass told to play. <laughs> they ask you and they tell you. Um, well, what happened was there was a cat from California. I think he went to Los Alamitos. Uh, Jeff Bird, uh, the homie, ended up going to Columbia for one year and then transferring, going to Stanford. He was the California high school rushing leader of all time. So a real running back. Like, I'm just a big, fast dude. I'm not a real running back anymore. I'm 6'4", 245. I'm like, you know, I'm Brandon Jacobs, Christian Okoye plus, but I ain't that good. And frankly, I don't think I have a future in the NFL if I kept playing running back. So this is how the universe works, man. They send me the best running back from California by the stats in history. And that made my coach look at me and look at him. He said, hey, Marcellus, I got to have my best players on the field. And that's my best running back, pointing at Jeff. And he said, and you're my best player, but you got to play a different position. I was all right. And he said, defensive end. And my feelings were hurt, not because of the position. I didn't even know how to play DN at a high level. I was hurt because somebody upended me. Somebody made me do something I didn't wake up wanting to do. And I didn't like that feeling. So I used all of that energy of somebody just pumped me into doing something I didn't want to do. And took being the one punking people because I had to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was like, all right, since I got to play DN, watch how I'm about to play DN. And I played DN. I was a guy who could run still, big as hell. And um, I kept the same kind of like endurance that a running back has. They love to run. They linemen, old linemen, they like to run. <laughs> so it was a different animal, man. But it was way physical in there. And I had fun playing it. Man, that's not easy to do. I played one year of, uh, of football. I played quarterback and then free safety on on both uh, sides of the ball. And it's not easy to to like transfer your mind and transfer all your energy. So I commend you for that, man. And just being a fan of yours, man, it's watching the way you were able to find success on both sides of the ball like that. I know different levels, but yeah. it's really cool, man. And, and, you know, I was hoping, you know, before we get like really do a deep dive into the broadcasting, just just share a little bit of your NFL career of like, Anything that comes up, like in in terms of inspirational or just moments that popped up, or even people, um, yeah, just anything that that comes up for the NFL career. Yeah, I think my favorite inspirational story is how I was a leather grader. Um, John Elway was my favorite player, him and Eric Dickerson, and I wanted John Elway's jersey. One, I was a Denver Bronco fan because of him largely, but two, those colors. That blue and orange looks sick with that white just yep. weaved up in there. Oh, that's so dope. Then I remember going to the full locker, seeing it, $69.99, I think, at the time. Big number seven, Elway. And I was like, dog, I'm wearing it home. Mama, mama, can I get the, the John Elway jersey? Who? Oh, John Elway, my favorite player. How much? $69.99. Point stop. That's the end of the conversations back then. <laughs> Welcome to the 80s, y'all. <laughs> right? So, I was like, oh, damn. I, you know, what else is there to talk about? It ain't like my kids right now. If I pull that on my kids right now, Dad, can I have a Beyblade? What? What's a Beyblade? This. How much? $5. Boy, stop. Dad, I, I mean, they talk back. Like, just keep talking to me. I was like, it's over. You're not getting one. But, Mama, it wasn't over. First game as a rookie drafted to the Buffalo Bills is the Buffalo Bills on the road against the Denver Broncos. And I remember looking, we walk out there in the field. First thing I felt was like, damn, this is mile high for real. Like, I can't breathe. Like, I'm glad I'm not playing that much, am I? Oh, man. And then I look around. We're doing our warm-ups. I'm just taking it all in. And this is the stadium you see on TV, you know, like that. All that. And then I'm at the, like, 48-yard line. And in pregame, you're not supposed to turn and look at the other team. And if you do, do it quick. You know, look hard. Don't, you know, I mean, don't be like, oh, well. So I was like, just sitting there. I was like, don't look. Don't look. So I said, man, you got to look, dog. And I turned slowly. And as I turned, guess what I saw? Seven. Elway. Right there, like three feet from me. And this wasn't Foot Locker. And this was really him. And this was really his jersey. And I was like, dog. I immediately was like, ah, I wanted to just grab him and touch him. And I would just hug him. Be like, ah, he came to life. That's the real love he was. It was so full circle. Like, I remember him just being like an object and just seeing a jersey, and that's it. Now I'm there. 
right there with that guy. So that was an that's awesome. That's awesome, dude. Like talk about manifesting, right? I mean, there you are right next to him. And Elway, you know, yeah. one of my favorite, favorite guys too. Um, so, you know, that's a great lead up to what I really, you know, I'm very excited about, about talking to you about, which is this, yeah. this sports broadcasting uh, career that you have. And, you know, I've been listening, like I said, I've been listening to a lot of, you know, your shows and you on different podcasts and stuff. And, um, I think on the bootleg, bootleg Kev episode, uh, and shout out to him, he's a great, great podcaster, but, um, you said something about you're not a debater, you're a discusser. And I wanted yeah. I wanted you to kind of talk a little bit about that because all these sports sports shows are all debate shows. You know, I feel like most of them are anyway. But when you said that, I was like, man, that that's really cool, you know? And you also said you like listening to all perspectives to grow a new perspective. Talk about yeah. that. Like like really share a little bit more about that. What does that really mean? Oh, uh, what it really means is that I'm a human being like everyone else, despite how this world would tell you that some of us are what an ER, bigger, stronger, smarter, you know? And yeah, we all understand what accomplishment looks like, right? And we all want to achieve accolades and tremendous success. Uh, but my feet are still on the ground, just like yours. You know, yeah. coaches always say, he puts his pants on just like you do, right? Mm -hmm. And I do. And this world would try to tell you that you don't. And sometimes, whether it's through the mediums, it, it's through the conversation, it's through the idolatry, that they will actually make you, despite somebody having more money than you, that doesn't mean they're better than you. They just got more money than you, right? Doesn't mean someone who's smarter than you is better than you. Just means that they're smarter than you. But they may not be crafty in anything. They may not can put anything together they may not can run from here to the phone right so i started to just look at life like these er's are catching people up yeah. and making them just act different so i love football i love broadcasting and now i'm a broadcaster who is starting to realize that the culture of broadcasting has shifted from educating fans educating the masses to the experience of sports and what it really means to be in that arena that stadium to like an entertainment product fine that started to get salacious started to have to slander put an exclamation mark on everything instead of just a period just a comma just a, a normal statement so we just couldn't assess anymore what we saw we had to almost attack, uh, make it an obsession to right. talk about these things. And look, you can see the slippery slope in it. It starts off with, oh, he's good. And then people are like, all right. Then you can start to say, he's good. He's not good. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Then it goes, he's good. He's not good. And he sucks. Then it goes, he's good. He's not good. He sucks. I don't know why he's even here. He ain't going to never be anything. And they just keep going. I'm like, I got kids, man. I'm starting to look at life form. Like, right. not only while I'm raising them, but when I'm not here. And I am planting things in them, whether it's through broadcasting my job, whether it's through something I love and adore, which is playing the game. I'm watching them tear down people, and they're doing it all for theater. And I'm like, but those are real people. I was a real one. I know a lot of the guys that we talk about. And I was like, I'm not built for that because one, I'm not a fighter. Two, I'm not a hater. So I can't, I can't support this. I can't put my all into this. And here's where I hit a crossroads. I wasn't going to get rewarded financially, opportunity, because I wasn't going to play ball. I wasn't going to do that. And I knew I could do it. I, it's in everybody to be a hater. It's in everybody to just go around and do the, the worst of worst. That's too easy. The right. hard stuff is doing it the right way, the good way. That's the hard stuff. And I was like, call me good in two shoes, but all I'm going to do is discuss it. And that's about it. So I just knew that I had plateaued. I had run my course in terms of traditional sports uh, media and I didn't fit their economic model. But I always had confidence that people wanted to just discuss things like me. Like, mm -hmm. what do you say? I'm actually listening. 
listening, not just waiting to talk again. I watched these shows. I was like, man, you're just waiting to talk again. You hear one thing I just said. So true. <laughs> and one thing about me, dog, I talk a lot, but I listen more. My, my godmother told me that at Columbia. She said, more, I ain't never met somebody talk as much as you, but you even listen more. And I was like, that's right. So I'm that's in cool. a lane where I can do it my way. I'm in a lane where I have ownership. I uh, breaks TV. I'm in a lane where if it goes down, I'm the one driving it. I'm the one flying it. Not somebody else or some public pressure, cultural pressure, or economic pressure from the entity I'm a part of. That's really cool, man. And, you know, I think where I want to take this conversation right now is like, I really want to inspire anyone listening to this to create their own lane as well. Right. And that's kind of what you did. And I want to talk about the the path you took, right? Because you were at ESPN and Fox Sports and you were you you had the opportunity to work with all these amazing broadcasters, right? Like yeah. uh, Mike Golick. I, I heard you on a podcast. You, you were saying that he told you you're a storyteller. I was hoping you could expand on that because um, I love that you said that because obviously you are a storyteller because of the book. I'm reading. <laughs> it's, it, it's just so many great stories. But I love that you said that because going back to what I said before, it's a it's nice to uh, to like listen to a storyteller rather than just a constant debate about right and wrong. So yeah, yeah expand, expand on that. You know, how are you? How have you become a better and better storyteller? You know, the deeper I dive into my experience, which is my expertise, um, the better I am at telling stories. Uh, there's a connective energy, a connective tissue we all possess. And sometimes you just forget how we're all just vessels of this energy mm -hmm. that is not created or destroyed, just Love exchanged. That. Love that. Right? And yeah. so I, I, I live on that, that, that vibration of like, it's in me already. Like whatever I want out there, it's already in here. I just got to mm -hmm. go get it. And people think you got to go get it out there. No, I got to go get it in here. Stop being so damn scared, right? Stop being the one that's doubting. And look, we all know we doubt. Every single person ever, Jordan, Muhammad Ali, they all doubt. You know what confidence really is? It's the management of doubt. How to. Hey, that came in my head, man. Let me deal with this differently. So what I do is dig in to go get it out there. And me being a storyteller is just simply me expressing an experience that will connect with you, even if you didn't have to live through that existence and vice versa. I get to Columbia and this was hilarious. I'm from Compton, South Central, all that stuff. This is the East West Coast, West Coast beef. He, so Biggie Park, you know, Dre, Snoop versus Puffy, Big, you know, all that. And I'm at Columbia. And immediately I hit the campus. I get a lot of love because I play football and I'm good. I got love also because I was from the hood. Too much love for me because I was from the hood. When I aspired to go to an Ivy League school, so that I can hear about all these rich people, how they live. And I'm like, hey, man, your granddaddy, what? Your daddy a billionaire? Like, let, come here. What? What? How you go home? Is it like silver spoons? Do you got a remote control car in your house too? Like, and they looking at me, want to hear war stories. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't hear enough of the affluent stories. So you know what they were trying to do? And we've all heard it. They were trying to, they were trying to get down and stay down. They wanted to be down. And I'm like, I'm trying to tell y'all I'm not trying to be down. I did not raise my hand to be born into poverty. I did not raise my hand to be on welfare. That was a mama and daddy life experience and decision. I lived through it, persevered through it. I survived. Now it's time to thrive. Can you please tell me how high this building is? <laughs> and they just want to stay in the basement, man. So it was just weird through our connective tissue. And our experiences and storytelling, I was able to get inspired when I heard the kid, Adam, who got dropped off by a helicopter and got $25,000 a month in 1995. That was inspiring to me, not for all the materialism, just because it was a world greater than I have ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I think that was inspiring for him to hear me talk about getting shot at, talk about all the gangster stuff and still get my homework done still ball out and be at the same place as him. So that connective tissue, we all got to always articulate 
and that's storytelling. Man, that's awesome. And <clears throat> talk a little bit about the I's and U's, not the X's and O's, which I've heard you mention before. <laughs> so, a lot of people want to talk about the game and they want to simplify it to like just the technique. They want to talk about, you know, the leverage. They want to talk about the speed, the objective measurables, et cetera. And then you start hearing people go a little deeper and they start talking about the intangibles, which is hard to quantify, but you still know them when you see them, right? So I've always looked at sports more than just the X's and O's. It's the I's and U's. The people, the person that becomes the player tells you so much. And it's just amazing. There's Mr. Warpaint. Yes, coach. No, coach. And runs on that football field. And guess what? He's sorry as hell. And it's crazy because he all in. He think, ah, he first in the meetings, last, first in the building, last out. Yeah. Ah, he's sorry. And then it's some other soft-spoken kid. You know, he just goes about his work, doesn't speak much, doesn't look up much. Hey, how you going? That ball snap, he going to light your ass. <laughs> it's like, what is this? And to me, it was like the biggest, like, sociological experiment in the world. Because no matter how they come, you can't judge a book by its cover. What's mm-hmm. the old saying, you know, look like Tarzan, play like Jane. I know that's like not PC anymore, but it's real. Like, it's like some cats used to get off the bus for more muscles than the bus had. Like, oh, then bigger than the bus. And then you see him, you're like, man, number 68, look huge, coach. I ain't even trying to see that. That's what you're thinking, right? Hit on the field, you hit on me, the pill's very dope, boy. And then there's some dude you didn't even look at get off the bus. You know, he's smaller than the tires. And he go out there and bring that work. And I just thought it was just amazing how the I's and U's told me more about life than just watching just the X's and O's. And I completely agree. Now, now take that into broadcasting, right? And sports broadcasting and creativity, which which is what you've been able to to accomplish now, and you're doing it now with your own show. But you basically saw the whole landscape. Now with the recent firings on ESPN and all this stuff, you saw the whole landscape, and you're like, wait a second, all this stuff is actually transferring into the creator, the individual, right? The individual channel. I want to I want to hear you talk about that because hopefully the idea here with this conversation is to inspire others to create their own channels because I'm a firm believer in that. That's why I created my podcast. I was like, oh, wait, the whole landscape is going more to the individual. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah just t- Take the eyes and use and transfer it over into into sports broadcasting as an individual. Yeah. I mean, look, I think a lot of times, at least when I was growing up, uh, we thought of a broadcaster. And it was a prototype, you yeah. know, and it was a guy in a suit. Hello and welcome to Bush Stadium. You know, yeah, you knew the tone, you knew the beat, yeah. you knew the posture, all that. And then when I got into the game, not stubborn, no genius. I just really believe in me. Mm-hmm. I really believe in my individuality. I really believe in my uniqueness. And I believe in the uniqueness of us all. So we all have own signature no one else has it we all have our own fingerprint no one else has it right so i believe that with your voice if you are really authentic no one else has it no one else has done what i've done no one some have done more here and less there but no one's done what i've done so i've always believed in that that's why i was a storyteller and when i met mike golick he confirmed it on that level like hey storytelling is your strength and I was like, yep, that's why I land with. <laughs> and that's what I'm going to keep doing. Yeah. Um, why does it matter? And then let's bring it home to your question. A computer can give you X's and O's. A website can break it down. A website can tell you how many yards, all that. So, you know, like, get out that game as fast as you can. Trust me. Yeah. The AI going to whoop you up now if you ain't been whipped up by the websites already. So nobody want to hear the yards per attempt eloquently, like, you know, get out of that. Get into the I's and U's. Get into who you are yeah. and what you saw and then connect those yeah. two through your experiences and what you just saw in evidence. Now, where's the world going? Yeah. Where Bill it going? said it was going way back in the late 90s. Man. King. 
Yes, content is king, man. He said it in phases too, and you got to bring it all together. So long story short, content is king. We all heard it. We were just like, all right, I guess that means post more. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> People just read it and just didn't really give it the depth that it needed. Content is king. And then you saw the world change and it's still constantly changing and changing fast, rapidly right now. And then that turned into, okay, you're all going to become content creators. So people still don't think they're content creators. You know, we got these other choice words. You're an influencer. And oh, me, I just post. I just got an Instagram. You're a content creator. Even grandma posting her bingo night, you know, just she was out at the juke joint and she puts it. That's content that was created. That's right. Posted. So then the next iteration of it is going from content is king. Everyone's a content creator. So everyone's a content creator and everyone is a channel. Now you're seeing a disruption of traditional media, linear, linear cable, uh, media at large, right? Right. Why is that happening? Why is this asteroids effect occurring? It's because it's going right there where everybody's going to be their own channel. Yeah. Now, it's starting off like it did with traditional TV network and traditional cable and these big bundles, right? You got YouTube over there, right? You got all these content creators there. Like when we were back in the day, they had CBS and they had NBC. They had three channels when I was growing up. Now they got, what, 300 million? <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden, you start seeing other people. So now there's a, a rumble out there. And you're like, what? What's it? And, and et cetera, et cetera. Then you got Spotify. And all of a sudden, what you're seeing is a guy like me who started off ESPN. NFL Network and Fox. Then he goes to Brinks TV and YouTube. And who knows where next? But you can see all these disruptors right. out there because we are all our own channel. And so you can go through the portal. You can go through the conduit of big mass media. You can also go through, through independent portals and conduits like a YouTube, etc. Or you can just broadcast it your damn self and say, come find me. I can gain audience. And that's how this thing continues to evolve. What's inspiring to all is that now you can be your own channel. Whereas growing up, that was not only absurd to think, but that was impossible to do. Technology has changed that. Mindsets have changed. And now you can see someone just broadcasting to the world snapping their finger, man, and having the mass and support it. Man, uh, so eloquently said, thank you for painting that picture. And I completely 100% agree. Can you go a little bit further into YouTube? Because I'm very bullish on YouTube. You know, that's kind of my main hub for this podcast. You know, I, I know you, you're kind of all in on YouTube right now, right? I mean, kind of paint the, the vision for what, what do you think is the future of YouTube and everything that you just said about independent content creators? Yeah. Um, so when I left Fox, um, look, the first thing you're thinking is like, damn, I'm making a lot of money. I'm gonna make some money somewhere else. <laughs> like, right. You know, right. Keep it real. And right. And I'm like, uh, I started to do some comps. So th the person that was making the most at Fox, Skip Bayless, Colin Coward, making six, eight million at the time, maybe more, who knows? Person that ESPN making the most, even they making 12 million, whatever, um, doing daily shows. And I was like, who makes the most on the internet? I'm like, oh, Pat McAfee just got a $30 million deal. Look, God dang. Pat McAfee. How much them, yeah. how much them Paul brothers over there making? You know what I mean? Like, God dang. Joe no, I was going to go on comps. So I was like, ooh, if you hit Peppa Pig out here destroying it, you make $30 million <laughs> a video. So I was like, man, whatever. So I started, I was like, all right, so take the excuses off the table. Don't blame independence. Don't blame that. It's on you. So I was like, all right, I could gain audience. I could do it my way and just, you know, let it go. But more than that, I also hedged my bet, but got ownership. So I'm a partner in Brinks TV, along with John Brinkus, who used to host Sports Science, um, uh, OTT Network, where that's where Never Shut Up lives. But it's also open source, so it's on YouTube, it's everywhere. It's on Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, whatever. So I have ownership in the network, which was very important to me at this stage of my life, being 48. Why? Because... 
once I stopped working at Fox, Fox stopped working with me. They were like, we love you. See you at the golf tournament. You're still my boy. No checks for me. No checks for my kids. No checks to my legacy. With ownership, you have that opportunity. So what I'm trying to build up is something that when I stop talking, it's still walking for me, right? So I had to go for that reason alone at this phase in my life. Um, but YouTube, outside of Google, which owns YouTube, second most search engine in the world behind Google, right? So everyone goes there for content. Everyone goes there for information. Everyone goes there to find things, find creators. So yeah, everyone's smart to be bullish on YouTube. And look, nothing's perfect, but at the same time, YouTube gives you your greatest opportunity to fish where the fish are. Yeah. And that's what you should do. Every single person out there had this conversation last night with a friend who's in the business, who once again is finding himself in the same place I found myself contemplating moving on. And I was like, even if you don't move on, because I'm not going to talk to everyone's situation because I'm not privy to every detail. Make sure concurrently you do a podcast. Concurrently, you do something in the independent space. Why? Because if you notice, mainstream media is making that mandatory for all of their content creators, right? Right, right. Long story short, 2018, I leave ESPN to go to Fox. I'm going to do Speak for Yourself. I go there. I'm like, I want to do radio. No, can't do radio. I'm like, you telling me I can't work more for the same amount of money or get some more money? Like, you're just saying no, period. You don't even want to hear me out? I could have said, don't pay me more. They're like, nope. I was like, all right, podcast wasn't even on the table. Fast forward to 2023 when my deal's up, 2022, I should say. Hey, Marcellus, want to do TV still, of course, but what's up with some podcast? What's up with some radio? I'm like, what this 360 rapper deal coming up? Now, all of a sudden, they want me doing everything. Just four years before, they didn't want me doing any of that. What made me understand that, that made me understand they don't even see what's coming like they think they do, mm-hmm. like everyone is giving them credit for. Like it's changing before their very eyes so right. fast that they're responding to it in the same time in real time like me. So am I going to lock up my whole existence with someone that I'm trusting knows this industry when in reality, no one knows this industry because this industry ain't the same. Yeah, so and it changes why. so quick, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Man, and you know, I just think that's really powerful because also like the 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 word that came up or the phrase that came up when you were talking about that is digital assets, right? And that's kind of what these these things are. That's what this is, you know. That's what your show is. It's a digital asset, and I think the bigger players in the game, those networks are starting to see that. They're like, "Okay, these individual content creators are creating their own digital assets for themselves." You know, and um, that's very empowering. You know. Oh, absolutely! You create your own catalog, and, and and it's a couple ways to look at this because I think people look at it the wrong way. Um, I just gave this example. Uh, day one, you're an independent content creator. This is what crushes most dreams. Uh, people don't have instant success; they get deterred, and all of a sudden discouraged, and they just don't complete. Um, I do it all the time with kids when I coach. I'm, I coach a lot of kids, and my son football, basketball. So I got like 90,000 sons and daughters around, right? <laughs> coach. And it's the same thing when I see a kid. And if the kid is not good, I protect that kid because I know that kid can be a late bloomer. I know that kid can one day get it. The light can go off. But right now, I'm not giving that kid the ball. Their parents are mad at me because I won't give the kid the ball. And I always tell the few parents that challenge me, you know why I'm not giving them the ball? Because as soon as he gets the ball, they're going to take his flag Every other kid who can run is going to look at him like he's not good. He's going to know what that feels like. And now he's not even going to want the ball next time because he felt embarrassed. And I said, I'm going to wait till I know he can do something with that ball. Then I'm going to empower him to want it more because he did something with it. Now, leave me alone while I coach your itty bitty. Right. That's how I go. <laughs> Same thing with an independent content creator. They scared to go out there and only get three views, five views. But let me tell you this. If they won, you only got 10 views. 
Here's the beauty of this digital asset, digital catalog world. And then day two, you got five views and you're like, dang, I went from day one, 10 views, second video, only five views. But on day two, guess what they also did? You got seven views on the first one, which made it day two, really 12. Right. And most people don't look at it like that. They look at it from 10 to 5, and then they get tapped out discouraged when it's really 10 to 12. What am I explaining? The dynamic of your floor rising. Mm. Most people only look at how high the ceiling is. Most people only look at how high the top creators are and how can I catch them? How am I going to get up there? Or they look next to them side by side in a different lane like, man, I ain't as good as him or I'm better than him. Here's what you need to focus on. Just keep doing it. The floor is going to always rise for you. And then you will find yourself in that sweet spot with consistency, with perseverance. So do not try to hit this game. Logan Paul run it. You know what I mean? Just try to raise your floor every single day. Yeah, man. Hey, look, I, I know we're getting uh, close to time here, but I just just frame everything that you just said and frame it into creativity. Because I think that's the that's the the, the missing piece, or n not even the missing piece, but like the the gem, the diamond in the rough, right? Like when you you tap into your own creativity, you can allow yourself to create your own channel. But I want you specifically to talk about your music because I'm a musician myself. Uh -huh. and I was reading in your book about how you were DJing, and and you I quoted you: "Music fueled my fire, helped me help push me to get better. I climbed the mountain with turntables on my back, and I love that, man." So yes. can you just real quick, just break that down for people who might be listening to you and be like, man, I, maybe I should be an ind uh, independent content creator. Talk about how they can use their own creativity to do it their own way. Yeah. Uh, look, it, it's going to take a lot of time between your ears and a lot of time in front of the mirror. Just you. Um, you got to be your own biggest cheerleader. Uh, let me say this. You have to get to a place where you have a fearless identity. Mm. Now, what does that really mean? One, you're not scared to find out who you really are. And two, once you get there, you're not scared to show the world. That's where creativity exists. Because wow. if you don't do either one of those, you know what's going to happen? You're just going to be another mannequin. You're just going to be another one in the assembly line. Because you're going to be so scared to show what you really do that's different. A lot of people say I'm courageous or outspoken a lot of times. I say exactly how i feel and i don't say it in a hateful way so i'm not like a shock jock i just be like dog that's dumb right <laughs> and you know why that's dumb because that's gonna get you killed right not because you're dumb because doing that is death <laughs> so right but people are like wow you took a stance on that i'm like man look if you know who you are and you know you're not scared of what people are going to say or how they're going to receive you you're going to come out in a way that no one else is coming. And that's the problem with our world today. We all in these bundle packages. Like, you agree? You agree? Echo, echo. Let's do it together. And I'm like, well, that's one version of creativity. Creativity you got one group. But in that group, we all don't agree. Not to the same degree. So let's talk through that. And that's where I come in. Because I am not going to allow people around me to BS me. And I'm like, dog, I'm not going to hate you even if I disagree with you. I never disrespected my disagreement, but I'm certainly going to show you my authentic self, which is a fearless identity. People need to go in search of that and then on display of that. Wow. I love that, man. Marcellus, man, what an uh, amazing conversation. Just take a minute, promote all your stuff, man, your YouTube channel, your book, your foundation. Yeah, go for Let's it. Let's start there with my foundation, projecttransition.org. Oh man, dedicated to development and amplifying your inner power. So, work with a ton of kids, ton of adults in the community of my backyard. And we're doing something called an educational empowerment series right now, where I'll go. I was at East LA College two days ago talking to the kids. We bring them into our program. And the difference in our program and our curriculum is, one, we reinforce it with our monthly check-in. So we all meet and congregate hybrid style in a virtual setting. And we just talk through life. We talk through their experiences. But more so than that, 
I'm not stupid. You incentivize these kids, man. You you reward them for doing the right thing. So prizes, giveaways, sweepstakes, all the way to scholarships. Um, and that's my global campaign right now is to make sure that I galvanize more people to give back. So mm. I, I'm still a sports broadcaster. I'm still a life coach. But more importantly, I just wanted to make a living off of giving. And that's where I am with ProjectTransition.org. Everything else is at Marcellus Wiley, Instagram, X, Twitter, whatever the heck, all that stuff, man. But I'm here. Y'all can find Never Shut Up on Brinks TV, YouTube TV, and uh, love for everybody out there, man. Let's do it together. Yeah, absolutely. I'll link all that stuff and, and make sure you guys grab a copy of his book, man. It's a really good book. Um, Marcellus, I appreciate you to the audience who made it this far with, the, uh, with us. I appreciate you all. Peace and blessings, everyone. Marcellus, don't go anywhere. Stay inspired, everybody. All right, Prince. What? What? Oh, I'm excited. Every- <laughs> <laughs>